What is the relationship like for Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton and Russell Wilson? A lot of people think that there's some hostility there. There's not, and we'll tell you exactly why on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. You can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe or that follow button down below so you never miss out on any day's worth of Broncos news, content coverage, analysis, and more every single day. All year long, I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. Joined alongside as always by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantlyorange.com. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL. Use code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Sarah, my friend, I feel like we can never, ever go a week in this media world without there being some sort of story that pops up or some sort of speculation that pops up that seemingly hints something negative about Russell Wilson or something negative about Sean Payton. And look, I think that there's a lot of ambiguity out there and there's this recent discussion point coming up here about Sean Payton telling Russell Wilson to stop kissing, you know, baby's hands or like, but it's something more colorful according to Seth Wickersham in the PCD with ESPN. But I think there. I think this is old news because it's something that happened when Sean Payton first came in and it wasn't any way, shape or form a negative conversation that Payton had with Russell Wilson. So for me, I'm, I'm very curious for your thoughts on this, but then I also want to shut down a couple of the other narratives that we're seeing out there as well, especially people are mad at, you know, about Sean Payton in the media for some reason, local media, some local media people are, are furious, but I'll tell them it's like, I don't get where it's coming from. So let, what are your thoughts on what had come out recently with uh, this whole kissing babies quote here from shot bait yeah yeah it's good I, I think it's a great way to put it and really it's uh, you know if you ever saw spongebob when you're growing up you know you, you remember the episode of the word enhancers when spongebob discovers the word enhancers on the garbage and he starts using them and he's like thinking it's all fine but then all of a sudden you you see it in this context and all of a sudden you're like wow that word enhancer makes it seem like john payton really doesn't like russell wilson or that it's a negative connotation but Listen, I think that really that's just kind of the way that you talk in a football locker room, I guess, is kind of what I understand. And so I don't think it's anything to like freak out about. It's because he uses the colorful word enhancer. That doesn't necessarily make it a negative context here. But I think what he's trying to do is just you got to sometimes you got to love people with honesty, Cody. You got to make sure they know exactly how you perceive them so they can make changes. Right. And the reason why Sean Payton said, like, stop kissing babies out there you're not running for public office like your your image is not necessarily the most important thing right now like russell wilson he, he's got to know and understand he's a, he's a good guy like people understand that you're walter payton man of the year type of guy you don't need to be out there kissing babies like sean payton said to prove to people that you're a good guy go ahead and just and just work hard and, and i love that sean payton is just honest about this stuff like we see that his honesty hurt a lot of feelings in New York. We've seen that it, you know, did the opposite to Russell Wilson. It has motivated Russell to 
to stop doing the kissing. We haven't seen the kissing of babies, have we? I mean, I know it's a it's a analogy, but we haven't seen Russell out there, you know, walking to his huge truck wearing a vintage jersey of his own, which I never had a problem with, but we're not seeing that footage. We're not seeing the footage of him walking out of his house with the paparazzi and his family all around. We're seeing different stuff like he posts about him playing catch with his son after practice and things like that. But it's a totally different vibe in 2023 than in 2022, where it felt like he had a content creator following him around, posting all these things to try to make his image look great, where Sean Payton comes in and he's like, look, you don't need that. Just go work hard. Yeah, I mean, his image is already great, as you mentioned. He, he's a genuinely good human being. And I think there's so many people out there, and you see it in the national media as well, they try to pick apart Russell Wilson. Like, oh, he's corny. Who cares if he's corny, folks? Like, if that's your that's your gripe about him, then that says a little bit more about you than it does about Russell Wilson. Like, genuinely good human being, has been a really good football player throughout his entire career. Last year was definitely different, right? Nobody's disputing that. But I have the issue where it's just like every single time something like this comes out, it's more people trying to just attack the character of Russell Wilson, who's got arguably one of the best characters in the NFL in terms of how you look at him, how he carries himself, how his teammates view him. But I also want to talk a little bit deeper about the relationship between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Like this just came out in that ESPN's piece with Seth, Seth Wickersham. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said this to Russell Wilson. Like, folks, this was kind of at the very beginning of Sean Payton coming in saying, look, Russ, we know, like, hey, you don't have to do this campaign. You're a good guy. You're a good player. We need to get you back to playing where you're at, and I'm going to help do that. That's really basic where the conversation started and where it ended there. And you've seen it, as you mentioned, look at a training camp. We didn't see Russ come out and high-five the entire crowd like he did last year. Like, Russ just came out went straight to stretching his team drills. Those are the things that are important. That's what Sean Payton wants him to focus on here. But to act like, and we're seeing some people in the local media, national media as well, talk about this is, oh, there's something wrong between Russ and Sean Payton. I can tell you this. I see these two every day. I see them interact, and it's nothing but positive on both sides. They're talking about, okay, hey, what did you see on this play? Like You can definitely see that they're talking about something in between plays. Sean Payton, at times at practice, when they're doing something, a situational emphasis, he's teaching the entire team here. And look, Russ, I think, has done a tremendous job. Like Russ's approach has changed this offseason to what we've been accustomed to seeing from Russ throughout his career. He's just focused on ball right now, which, hey, that's an awesome thing. That's what Sean Payton wants him to do. But he's also playing really well. He's looked good in practice. He looked good in training camp. He's looked good in the NFL preseason. And obviously, we'll find out. Maybe if that translates here in the regular season opener against the Raiders on Sunday. But I had to put a little kibosh in this because I just get so tired of these narratives coming up and overtaking what's actually going on with the team. The relationship with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson is very, very good, folks. I can tell you that I see it every single day. And Sean Payton has given so much praise in these interviews as well about Russell Wilson. So why do we fixate on the negative and just pull it up and hold it in front of everybody's faces? That's not how it's supposed to be. I, I think that it's overblown. The topic is overblown. And look, I also want to maybe address another thing. There's a lot of people in local media that are complaining about, oh, you know, the, Sean Payton is not giving us this stuff. Here's the deal. Sean Payton is trying to get to know who the local media is, right? You got to build rapport and you got to build trust with it. Why, why would I, like as a coach, why would I go and sit down with someone local media and give them this access and this story when I know somebody from the national level that I know and trust and is going to put things out the right way, right? Peyton has been great to us. I would say this, like you have people complaining, oh, we don't get as much access. Nothing has really changed. The only thing we can't do, Sarah, is tweet during practice. That's it. 
That's realistically it. Aside from that, we still get to talk to him at the podium. We still get the same viewing period we had last year. We also get open locker room access to go and talk to players one-on-one. Nothing has changed from our access standpoint. It's just the people that are being very vocal about it never show up to practice. That's it. So I wanted to talk about that just because it's so frustrating seeing these things creep in. And look, if Denver's winning, Sarah, a lot of this stuff changes. Things don't get things aren't as negative. And, and look, that's what Sean Payton was ultimately brought in to do here for the Broncos. Make them a winning football team. And we'll see how it all translates. Season one week opener coming up here this Sunday. And hey, the Broncos are questioning whether or not they're going to have one of their top playmakers available in Sunday's matchup. What did Jerry Judy do during Wednesday's practice? And does he have momentum building toward him being able to play? Well, you're going to get that on today's episode, Locked on Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had, winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. If you've got Josh Jacobs hitting over 75 yards rushing, and for Russell Wilson to throw for over 200 yards, you could do more or less on that at Prize Picks here today. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Price pick, they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. They also now offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to one. $100. Once again, go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Will Jerry Judy be able to make enough progress to play for the Denver Broncos in week one against the Las Vegas Raiders? It's a big question we're going to talk about here on today's episode of Locked on Broncos. But before we do that, got to give a huge shout out and mile high salute to every single one of you that makes Locked on Broncos your first listen of the day every day right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Cody and I are just honored to be able to have so many of you that engage with the show, that love the show, that love to just discuss this team with us because that's what makes being a fan fun right Cody so you get to just have this access to the team Cody going out to every practice talking to the coaches and the players and then you know me and all of you we're just bringing our point of view right and I love that I love that we get to do that so shout out to all of you that engage with the show or if you watch for free on YouTube and jump into the comment section there man we absolutely love that especially during the season where you get a lot of emotional responses, Cody, but also I think a lot of people are bringing some really good takes these yeah. days. I've seen a lot of really good takes in the comment section. So keep it coming, everybody. We appreciate you. And we're eager to know your thoughts on what we just talked about. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, what's your perception of their relationship, but also how important is Jerry Judy if he does play this week against the Raiders, Cody? And I think Kind of the vibe that I'm getting is that there's very much so a it seems like if if it's a 50, like if we're we're drawing the line at 50 50, I feel like Jerry Judy's kind of in somewhere in the 40 percent range of likelihood at this point is kind of what it feels like if I was a if I was betting on it, like there's like 40 something percent chance that he could play less than 50 is what I'm trying to say. What's your take on this? I saw your video that you posted out at practice where Jerry's running around. That kind of got me excited, but I want I want you to tell the people what you saw out there and what your vibe is on Jerry. 
So you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, yeah, I, I certainly think there is a possibility, right? But to your point about seeing Jerry, like going out there at Wednesday's practice, we had noticed on Monday he was out there for team stretch, right? No jersey, no helmet. But in Wednesday's practice, he had the jersey on. He had the helmet. He did some stuff in individual period with the wide receivers, some limited action there. And look, he popped up on Wednesday's injury report officially as limited. I mean, sir, that is a great sign here for maybe the progress he's made considering it. What is it? How many days has it been? It's been probably about uh, 16, 17 days since he had the hamstring injury happen. He's made good progress overall. But I think the question we have to ask ourselves here, Sarah, if he's not 100%, do do you risk putting him out there? Look, obviously, Jerry's a difference maker, but is he going to be as big of a difference maker if he's not at full speed where he can do the things that we just we know he excels at, that we have seen on tape to end last year? Like, hey, this guy, man, fully healthy. He's special. I don't know. Like, if Jerry is not at 100% right now, Sarah, I Personally, if it were up to me, I would not play him this week. But here's also another thing that could be happening in this situation here. You know, you see him return to practice. Of course, the Raiders are going to be monitoring that. And they're like, okay, hey, is Jerry Judy going to play or is he not going to play? This could this could make it to where, hey, you have to prepare, in which I imagine they are doing this anyways. You have to prepare as if he is going to play. And you have to see how your game plan will adjust there if you're on the Raiders side of things here. But this could also just be a decoy here. But it is a good sign he's doing more, which so if he doesn't play this week, Sarah, it makes me a little more optimistic. Maybe we do see him week two against the commanders. It does feel like he's trending towards for sure playing week two, Cody. But here's my tinfoil theory on this, right? And I'm just I'm just a guy here in Nebraska. But here's my tinfoil theory. If Jerry was unable to play this weekend and it was a situation where they're saying hey the hamstring it's it's just iffy right we want to make sure like we don't push it too much (laughs) why let him go out there and be a limited participant in practice this week why let him go out there and i mean obviously you want to ramp guys back up but typically i guess from what i recall in previous years covering guys who have had hamstring injuries cody Typically, those guys have to be ready to go before they really practice, even on a limited basis. I mean, that you've got to be able to cut. You've got to be able to make that hard move with that that leg that obviously got injured. And in order to do that, you've got to be almost ready to go, right? Because a hamstring injury is not just something like you see guys have this happen in baseball all the time. They cannot play a game in baseball because they they had to run the bases, right? You can't play with a hamstring injury, even if you're like 80, 85%. So this isn't a situation where Jerry's like, oh yeah, I'm feeling mostly ready to go. I can come back. No, it's a, it's a situation where you would not let him play if he wasn't ready because that could be re-aggravated very, very quickly. So here's my tinfoil theory is that I think Jerry's more ready than maybe meets the eye. I think the Broncos may be listing him as limited. They close practice, obviously, after a certain point. I can't help but wonder if he's gearing up to play this weekend. If he's out there for all these different other things, it kind of makes me makes me think like he'll be available. So I don't know. Maybe that's just the optimist in me. Well, it's, I'll be curious to see what we see in Thursday's practice. Obviously, you, we, he's expected to be limited once again, but does he do a little bit more from the time we're able to see him? Now, I will say this, just watching him, like I don't think he was full speed, right, when watching him do some of those drills out there. Now, see if you catch my daily Mile High Sports reports that I post on Twitter or threads, you're going to see that, you know, hey, he's he's breaking down, he's chopping, he's attacking the football, but it's not necessarily him running full speed. I think that there's – 
a brisk jog to it in a sense, or there's like maybe like a 75% speed element to where he's at, which isn't a bad thing, but I think that's usually what you do to build yourself up to be able to get ready to run full speed. And, you know, the hamstring God, Bo Lowry, we'll continue to see if he can work his magic here. And we'll get some more updates as well here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast as we progress through. But in the meantime as well, if Jerry is not able to go, Sarah, I do want to highlight here how impressed I've been so far with Marvin Mims in practice and also just the last preseason game. But even Brandon Johnson, who's now fully ready to go after the ankle injury that he sustained several weeks ago, he's at 100 percent here. And, you know, I had a chance to chat with him in the locker room briefly on Wednesday following practice. And we just talked about, you know, the work that he has put in behind the scenes just to have a good training camp. And look, he said he's always just kind of prepared himself to take the next step in his career. And he really wanted it this offseason. And so obviously we're now seeing that pay off a little bit, making the 53-man roster. I do think that even if Jerry's not able to go, I am, I'm a little bit excited to see maybe what the Broncos do. And with Brandon Johnson, I think he can be an impact player for them. And I think he's going to turn a lot of heads this upcoming season. I think Sean Payton believes the same exact thing. So very curious for your thoughts on that. Because, yeah, hey, look, Denver right now, three wide receivers, healthy on the 53-man roster. We do expect maybe to see Philip Dorsett and little Jordan Humphrey elevated in Sunday's matchup. Yes, I'm I'm excited to see who will step up if indeed Jerry Judy doesn't play Cody, especially like you mentioned, Brandon Johnson. I think everybody's pumped to kind of find out what this guy brings to the table one way or the other. But Sean Payton also acknowledged after Wednesday's practice that there is a package offensively and in the return game for Marvin Mims to get in. So regardless if Jerry plays or not, Marvin Mims is going to be a player to watch and he will no longer be wearing number 83. As we discussed on a previous episode, he will be wearing number 19. So some shades there of Eddie Royal back in 2008 with his first game coming against who the Raiders. So, I mean, Cody, I'm not saying I'm just saying is Marvin Mims about to go off like Eddie Royal did in his NFL debut against the Raiders. I would love to see that. And and just like Philip Dorsett, I, I understand that he really signed with Denver in large part because of his relationship with Russell Wilson. I know they didn't play a ton together in Seattle there, but it sounds like Russ made a pretty big impression on him. And, and Philip Dorsett, it just goes to show the perception of Russell Wilson from not from everybody is positive. We've seen some of the former Seahawks in the media, but Philip Dorsett <laughs> obviously views him still as a great quarterback is what he said. And, you know, you want to play with guys like that. And so I think that Russ still has that allure even after last year, even after all uh, so many of his former Seahawks teammates have tried to drag him Defensive through the mud. Teammates defensive teammates that's right yes you don't hear yeah you don't hear a lot of bad stuff from doug baldwin or tyler lockett or you know all those guys so just just throwing it out there but i I think cody i'm excited to see this wide receiver room for sure it's it's young it's very thin it feels like but i think there's a lot of upside there with some of these individual guys well speaking of upside we're going to take a look at the broncos ross we already know the 53 man roster but what does the depth chart say are there any surprises were you going to get that on today's episode Lockdown Broncos, this episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at LinkedIn Jobs. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And it's easy to create a free job post in minutes over there at LinkedIn Jobs. Once you do that, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread word that you're hiring. 
Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. So make sure you close out the 2023 work year with the right team member on your squad. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. As we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode of Locked on Broncos, real quick, just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for rocking with us all offseason long. The buildup through training camp, the regular season is finally here, and we're going to have you covered every single day all year long throughout this entire regular season, the playoffs, free agency, the draft, OTAs, training camp again. You're never going to get time off for the Denver Broncos because for the true fan, there's never an offseason. That's why we appreciate you so much and all the everydayers for rocking with us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts here. Sarah, this is, I think, one thing that Broncos fans were waiting for this week is what does the depth chart look like ahead of Sunday's game against the Las Vegas Raiders? And they released their unofficial depth chart through the weekly media release that we get access to. But I wanted to ask you, were you surprised about anything that you saw on the depth chart? I have my own thoughts on it, but I want to get yours first to open up here this final portion of our show today. Cody, my only real surprise was you remember when we were talking about how Sean Payton was kind of diminishing that initial depth chart that came out as like, you know, we have to put this thing out. My only surprise is how similar this one looks to that one. Obviously, there's quite a few less players on there with the 90 man roster being cut down to 53. But this depth chart looks oddly similar to the one that we saw a few weeks back offensively. I don't see really any differences at all. I mean, other than Marvin Mims maybe jumping. I don't remember if Marvin was right behind Jerry Judy, which he is now, Cody, but there's only four receivers on the depth chart. Jaleel McLaughlin closed the gap from running back five to now running back three. But the tight end group looks exactly the same with Adam Troutman followed by Dulcich, Chris Manhurts, and Nate Adkins, just as it did on that initial depth chart defensively. I don't really see any difference, including, which I want to get your take on this, Cody, the the same thing at safety, Kareem Jackson or Hayden Stearns. <laughs> I was looking at the Dallas Cowboys depth chart the other day doing some work for another website that I write for, and they have three safeties listed in their starting lineup, which is interesting. And Sean Payton spoke to something like this when he said, we could throw 25 different personnel groupings out there. So who's the starter? You tell me. I love that he pointed that out because it really doesn't always matter. And he basically said, we're going to throw different guys out there every week. But is there anything to read into here about the Kareem Jackson, Caden Stearns thing? I don't think so. I think regardless of who actually gets the start against the Raiders, I think both guys are going to play. I think you're going to see a lot of Kareem. You're going to see a lot of Caden Stearns. It's not a bad thing for your, for the Broncos when you talk about boosting up that secondary against a, a pass-happy, run-heavy offense that we see with the Raiders' approach here. But, you know, for me, I, there were some responses I got, because I asked Broncos fans this when I put it. I said, you know, were there any surprises in your opinion? You know, I had several responses of people saying they were surprised that Jonathan Cooper was starting over Frank Clark. But if, you know, you've been listening to Lockdown Broncos every single day, you know that, hey, we're not surprised about that. Jonathan Cooper has had the most consistent offseason, I think, of any player is on the Broncos roster right now. Like he has taken just a huge step forward in his development, and hey, he's earned it. And there's nothing wrong with Frank Clark 
rotating in behind him with Nick Benito. Like there's going to be a pass rush in waves approach here from Vance Joseph to what Sean Payton wants. You want to have your best players on the field. Well, hey, these four edge rushers that you're going to have, they're very good at what they do. And they're going to have an impact. And I think it's good for the Broncos to be able to mix and match that. I'm excited for fans to learn a little bit more about some of the personnel that they're going to unleash a little bit in Sunday's game. You may not see the full wrinkles in terms of some of the stuff that we've been able to see. But I will say Jonathan Cooper, not a surprise. They're starting opposite of Randy Gregory. And I think when you have Jonathan Cooper and Zach Allen on one side of the ball together, what we saw in the preseason against the Niners, to me, that that excites me because – Zach Allen's high motor, like there were times against the 49ers where their tackle and guard would double team him. That leaves Jonathan Cooper screaming free, which forced, you know, uh, Sam Darnold to spin into a sack on Randy Gregory and Josie Jewell. Denver is going to get very creative with how they do some pressure looks here. Jonathan Cooper is a, a guy that they view very highly, not only just on starting on defense, but he's going to play some special teams role for them as well. And Sean Payton highlighted that. I did want to point out, you brought up the tight ends, right? I wanted to point this out as well, because do you remember when Sean Payton had said when the, I think this was when the first unofficial one came out, they are asking about the depth chart and, you know, maybe why Dulcich was number two, Trapman was number one. He said, all these guys are going to play. All of these guys are going to play. So for me, I look at you have Troutman, Dulcich, Manhurts and Nate Adkins. These four guys are going to play on Sunday. Like it's going to be an all hands on deck approach against the Raiders. So to me, I'm not surprised. And the biggest non-surprise of them all, Russell Wilson, the starting quarterback. Right, right. I, I love it. Yeah, no, there wasn't really much. I guess you're right. We do need to bring up maybe some of the things that other people maybe found surprising if they have been if haven't been tuning in for the duration of training camp, I suppose, which does make sense to see, hey, Frank Clark and his big price tag kind of looming there in the second string, which is surprising to a lot of people. And Frank Clark declined to talk to the media earlier in the week, which is a story we didn't really get to get to because it wasn't that big of a deal. But I think he said, talk to me after the game. So I guess maybe he's saving something up, Cody. I don't know exactly what the situation is there. But yeah, the Frank Clark situation is one that's it's worth monitoring. We're going to monitor closely his snap count. We're going to monitor closely how he's utilized. And Sean Payton said, that they're going to introduce some things offensively and defensively this week that you haven't seen is what he said in quotes that you haven't seen. I'm very excited to find out what that is because it could be any number of things. Like he said, 25 different personnel groupings defensively. I think he was just throwing a number out there, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are, you know, 25 different personnel groupings because there's so many guys. And what he said about the tight ends, when you said all those guys are going to play, he said the same thing about the edge guys, which means like we talked about earlier this week, Nick Benito is going to play Jonathan Cooper, Randy Gregory, Frank Clark. These guys are all going to get action in week one, which I cannot wait to see when is the last time the Broncos had a healthy complement of pass rushers coming off the, I can't remember. Maybe it was week one last year. I guess I don't even remember Cody, but that excites me. The depth chart. It excites me because it's mostly healthy. I mean, obviously we're missing a couple of guys, but shout out to the Broncos, I guess, for making it through training camp relatively unscathed compared to previous years. Yeah, 100%. And hey, the Broncos get unleashed all that this Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders. Broncos country, if you're listening to this, let us know your thoughts on today's episode of the show. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment, interact with other members in Broncos country for the algorithm. We appreciate you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to us or to watch us break down all things 
orange and blue. Broncos country, we'll be back for another episode of the show tomorrow as we look at our keys to victory, our matchups that we're most excited to see. Plus, you get a recap of practice. You're going to get all that and much more on tomorrow's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos.